Hey, my name's Eric, if you don't know me. Um, I love coming up here with my wife, you know, to be with you guys. Uh, most of you know, you know, I used to be the pastor here in Brigham, and now I'm at Riverdale, but we still are committed to, you know, coming up here on a monthly basis, and I have a close relationship with lots of you and with, with Mike, you know, and I just want to say, you know, Mike has been growing leaps and bounds and doing a fantastic job in just the few months that he's kind of been thrown into this. Yeah. So I, I'm really proud of him. Um, it reminds me of when, you know, when I first took over like five years ago for the pastor before me, um, it, was, it was tough. And there were people who honestly didn't like me and probably left the church, you know, when I came and took over because they just didn't like my style or, or whatever it was. And, and, and those types of things happen. But it's so wonderful to see all of your guys' faces here today. I recognize just about every single person here. And as I've come, I've seen, you know, you know, the coffee was amazing today. It was on point. Thank you, coffee team. The greeters are awesome, right? You know, kids' church is full. And actually, uh, Jessica, she just told me that uh, she survived an entire, her first year as being the church, kids church director. So thank you for that. <laughs> and then her husband and I, we took third place in the golf tournament this year. It wasn't first, but it was third, you know. We'll, we'll try to take the title next time. But thank you guys for having me here today. Um, we are in this series called In, in Case You Missed It. Um, and, and we're talking about these Old Testament stories in the Bible that are famous, and, and, and you may have heard about them growing up, right, or in, in kids' church or whatever it is, and you think you might know the point of it, but there are deeper meanings to these stories that we're going to look at today. And so today we're going to look at a story called about Balaam and the donkey, and it's, it's kind of a crazy story. Maybe you've heard about it, but... You know, Balaam was this guy who uh, God was trying to get his attention. He was not a prophet of God. He was a pagan, actually. But God was trying to get his attention because God is sovereign and he wants to move and work in people. But this guy was stubborn. This guy is evil. And so God uses a donkey to get this guy's attention, right? And so now maybe some of you are like, yeah, that applies, you know, to my life, right? God has sent several donkeys into my life to try to get my attention. And I kind of just write them off, you know, and call them a, the A word, you know, but really uh, that's what God is doing here. And I think it's so amazing. It shows how powerful and mighty God is that he can just come in and and use anything or anyone uh, like a donkey to get this guy's attention. But the story, as cool as it is about this donkey, that is not the whole story. And so it's, we're going to be going pretty quick. I've got a ton of Bible verses we're going to walk through. And so hopefully, if you don't catch all of it the first time, stay another time to hear it. Or go back and go to PursueGod.org and go to In Case You Missed It so you can get all the Bible verses and kind of dig into them, or just open your Bible to Numbers chapter 23, because, or 22 through, through 31, because it's a big story. And so uh, it's an Old Testament story, but I want us to start in the New Testament. In 2 Peter 2, 15 through 16, Peter says this, 
and he's talking about false teachers. He's talking about people who come into the church and try to lead people away and, and cause division and teach wrong doctrine. He says, they have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. So now that gives away the story, okay, that this donkey actually can talk. God gives uh, this, this donkey the ability to rebuke a false teacher. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. It's not necessarily about the donkey. <laughs> it's really more about God coming in and, and challenging the church to be aware of false teaching, to be aware uh, of, of what God is trying to do and, and to let God get our attention and to be uh, very uh, weary about the culture coming in and kind of pressing in its beliefs and opinions and ideas inside the church. That has been a problem for 2,000 years. And so we're going to have to go back to Numbers 22 to get into this story. We were in Numbers 21 last week. Now we're in Numbers 22. It says, Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. So the setting is this. They're in the wilderness. The, the famous story of the Israelites being led out of slavery captivity going to the promised land, and now they're in the wilderness following Moses, a million people plus, and they're trying to learn how to follow God and go his way and, and, and quit living the way they did in slavery, and they're trying to make it to this promised land that God has promised them a, a blessing that, that God would be their God and that he, they would be his people. And so this, they're on their way to do that. And there's so many things going on in this story all through Exodus, all the way up through Deuteronomy is in the Bible. That's the whole wilderness journey. It takes four books to, to explain everything that went on. Well, what's going on here is that they are, um, they come up to a place called Moab and there's a king um, that is very nervous because he's seen that God has already done miracles in them and they've taken over other pieces of the land as they're on their way to the promised land and the Moab king is very nervous and so he calls this guy Balaam as we move on and he says this, so Balak king of Moab sent messengers to Balaam son of Beor, look a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, they cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on any people whom you curse. And so back to this idea of what Balaam is. Um, Balaam is a pagan seer, a prophet, um, and we're going to find out that God does talk to him and, and he does speak God's words. So in a sense, he's, he is used by God to be a prophet for a moment, but he is not God's chosen people. As a matter of fact, he's an evil prophet, a diviner, a, a magician. Um, and these guys were 
pagan, they believed in all kinds of gods and they did all kinds of crazy rituals to try to hear from the spiritual realm. I mean, one of them was like really weird. I was learning about it this week. They used to take the insides of animals and cut open the intestines and they believed that they could read through different signs in an animal's intestines what the future was going to be like. Super weird, right? Now, how does that apply to us today? Well, you know, there are all kinds of things that God speaks against that are not honoring to God, that God doesn't want us to do, right, that, that are evil. And I'm going to share a few of them with you. You might not like it, but it's tarot card reading, okay? And here's one that's going to bug all of you guys. Astrology, you know, the signs, the signs of the stars or whatever, right? And I know that we all you know, like have grown up with that being a part of our culture, right? As kids, we would look at, you know, read the today's daily reading of astrology and whatever my sign is and whatever month I was born, and you're like, that is crazy. It just lines up so closely to, to who I am and my personality. But, you know, in reality, those aren't things of God, right? There are evil spiritual things out there that might even contain some power because there is a powerful enemy trying to twist and distort and lead God people, God's people astray. And it's through things like that that are normal to our culture, right? Astrology. There are mediums. You know, people who try to tell your future. Um, you know, even magicians. And, and, and I could go on and on. And Balaam is one of these types of people. He's like the specialist when it comes to black magic and stuff like that. Okay, and, and so Moab, the Moab king, because that's what he would do, is saying, look, you, got, you have the power. You have the power to curse the nation of Israel so that they don't come against me. Because maybe he's performed some kind of signs and wonders even, right? He, he believes in them. And, and I, back to that letter in 2 Peter, Peter is a fighter for truth, Right? I love Peter because I, I really resonate with that, fighting for truth. You know, one of the things he says in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, be, be ready to make a defense for the faith, you know, so that you can share the hope that is in you with others. Like, be ready to defend the faith. And that word defend is apologia or apologia it's where we get this word apologetics from and apologetics means to you know not to apologize or say sorry but it means to fight for truth defend the truth because there's all kinds of counterfeits out there right and you guys who know me probably know that I'm, I'm passionate about that defending the truth and to, to some degree I sometimes you know, offend people. And I don't want to offend people, you know, by my opinions. That's certainly not a thing that I, I want to do. Um, I do want to offend people with God's truth, though, because God's truth gets at our opinions and our ideas and our feelings, and it, it, it corrects it, right? And so that's what's going on, right? They're in the wilderness. They're, they're seeking a seer to fix their problems and to curse Israel. But now we got to get to the donkey, Okay, so God is fighting for our attention and will do whatever it takes to get it. For Balaam, it took a talking donkey, okay? And so as we move on in the story, 
Um, Balaam is like, oh, I can't come with you because I, God spoke to me and he said not to go. But then Balak asks him a second time and he's like, uh, oh, let me check with God. And God was saying, okay, I'll let you go, but you better only do it and speak the things that I say. But ba- Balaam goes in the wrong heart and the wrong motivation, as we learned in Second Peter, that it was about the money for him. Right, And that's another, another example of false teachers out there is it's about the money, right? And, and I, hate, I hate to call it out, but there are so many Christian preachers and teachers out there where it's about the money, right? If you watch on TV, um, you know, on these big evangelical channels, there are these pastors of these mega churches, and, and they say good things sometimes, and they write all kinds of books, and sometimes they say truth, right? My, one of my favorite pastors says about those types of people, he says, well, a broken clock is right tri- twice a day, okay? So if a broken clock is stuck on 12, 12 o'clock, well, twice a day, that clock is right. Well, it's the same thing with false teachers. They say good things. They say right things, and they say true things, but that does not mean that their hearts aren't in it for the right reason. They're in it for the money sometimes. They're in it for the fortune and the fame. And that's one way you can look out for false teachers. But back to what God, what he thinks about false teachers, it's very amusing. And so let's read on with uh, what's going on with Balaam. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Three times this happens, that there's an angel And the so-called prophet, the so-called religious man, the so-called seer doesn't see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey does, okay? The donkey can see this angel. And so here's what happens next. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam, you have made me look like a fool. Balaam shouted, if I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same, and then the donkey says, but I am the same donkey you've ridden all your life. The donkey answered, have I ever done anything like this before? And Balaam says, no, no, right? Like, so the donkey's trying to reason with him. Hey, this isn't normally like me, right? Something must be up. And I think God is what he's trying to say here is even a donkey can see the Lord and fear him, but Balaam can't. It's really speaking to exactly what he says right there. You've made me look like a fool. No, you are a fool. (laughs) God made him look like a fool, not the donkey. God made him look like a fool because he uses a donkey to, to correct him, right? Now, maybe for us, the question is, Who's try, how is God trying to get your attention? Is God using someone in your life that would seemingly not be the type of person to correct you, 
right? Is God using people in your life or things or situations even in your life to try to get your attention? God can do that because God is sovereign. Let's go on. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down to the ground before him. Then the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but say only what I tell you. He he again warns him, you must say only what I tell you. And we'll learn on that, you know, as we read and that he doesn't do that. He, he does, under the control of the Lord, say things that God tells him to say, and it's, it's, it's amazing, but then goes on and goes back to his old ways, and we're going to learn that. But again, the question for you and me is, is, is God trying to get our attention right now, right? Is he trying to use a jackass like me to wake you up, right? And that's a biblical word, by the way. Go read... Go read King James Version, okay? <laughs> King James Version of the Bible. Isn't that, that's what donkeys are called, right? I think there's a, a, another word for like a female dog. I'm not going to say that, but there are things, you know, just don't judge me, okay? Sometimes I got to get your attention, right? So is God using, and will he have to use a donkey, to get your attention. Well, God is sovereign. God is sovereign and will always get his way. Balaam's prophecies affirmed the blessings that God had promised to Abraham. You know, that word sovereign, I just want you to know what it means. It means to reign over all. It means that God rules and has control over everything on earth, okay? Now, it, it brings up the question, well, why is there evil and why are these things allowed to happen? And that is a great conversation that I want you to seek out. I can't fully explain all of that right now. But God is in control of everything. The Bible says that not a sparrow falls to the ground without the, fa- the father knowing about it. There's, it's not like someone passes away and God was like, oh, they weren't supposed to go for another 20 years. I've got to change my, my boards around in heaven to to make this all add up, right? God knows everything. He exists outside of time. He sees what we're going to do before we ever do it, right? God knows everything. And it's not that just that he knows everything. He is working in everything. Even in evil, God is working in everything. So, so Balaam is paid to go speak curses against the Israelites, they're standing on a cliff and standing on a high mountain and, and, and Balak is telling Balaam, I need you to curse these guys so that we can defeat them and win. But Balaam can't because God controls his mouth. Balaam can't speak curses over God's people because God's plans are that mighty. He is that in control. He is that sovereign. He will always get his way. So he controls Balaam's mouth. And there are four promises um, that, that God speaks through Balaam that are reiterations of what God has already promised. And so it goes back to the point that God's always going to get his way and God uses a false teacher 
and shows his control even over his mouth to make sure that we understand, that the nation of Israel understands, but also we understand that the blessings that God has spoken to them and spoken to us cannot be taken away by the enemy, okay? And so this is where it gets really cool. As we look through some of these different blessings, uh, four times, actually seven times, there are seven different blessings that Balaam gives, but four times it's called the four oracles where he speaks out and he can't say a curse, but he says a blessing on accident or because God's controlling. And those four, the last three are about, you know, some, some historical stuff where they are going to defeat those kings. But these are promised blessings that are so amazing. Let's look at the first one. The, uh, he says they're going to be as numerous as the dust. And we see this in Genesis 13. But here's what Balaam says. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as the dust? And if you go back to Genesis chapter 13, verse verse. 16. Okay? If you go to verse 16, it says this, and this is Genesis talk, or, or God talking to Abraham. So this is way before this happens. God had sent these blessings to Abraham and told him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to send you into the promised land. You're going to have a land. I'm going to be your God. And here's what he says in 16, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. And so this guy, he's not even an Israelite, but yet true prophecy is coming out of his mouth. He wouldn't have known the Old Testament. It wasn't even written down for him at the time, right? He wouldn't have known the promises of God, but yet out of his mouth comes the promises of God. So Balak gets angry. He's like, what have you done? I wanted you to curse, but you bless. And so he's like, let's do it again. Let's try it again this time. And so we, again, they go to a different place. They look over and here, Balaam says this, listen, I've received a command to bless. God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel for the Lord, their God is with them. And that, again, is another blessing we see in Genesis chapter 17. That verse actually goes on and says he has been proclaimed their king, right? And so it's talking about God being with them and being their king. And so in Genesis 17, he said in, in verses 6 through 8, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between you and your offspring and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give, you, give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan and for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. I will be God with you. I will be your God, right? And so again, he's uttering truth that he wouldn't have known about reiterating that the blessings of God cannot be stopped through evil men. Again, he, he says, okay, don't bless or curse, but just say something. Balak says to him, he says, this one's interesting. He says, this is the message of one who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with eyes wide open. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob? How 
Lovely are your homes, O Israel. And in verse 9, in that same chapter, it says, Blessed are those who bless, and cursed are those who curse you. And what he's doing here is he's reiterating the greatest blessing in Genesis chapter 12. I'm sure a lot of you have heard this. It says, The Lord goes to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That blessing is what leads to the blessing of Jesus Christ in all nations, right? We've talked about that a little bit before, but Balaam is going on. And it also talks about how he can see into the future. And so it says, I can see their tents and they're beautiful, but how lovely are your homes as well. So tents is more of a temporary thing. When he sees their homes, he's seeing into the future that they finally made it to the promised land and they've established and are in the promise that God had first given them. And it says at this time, the spirit came on Balaam. And that's a very confusing thing because if the spirit came on a person, does that mean that they're saved? Well, in the Old Testament, the spirit came on people, but he didn't stay. It was a temporary thing. There's another instance by King Saul. He was an evil man. Um, Later in his life, an evil spirit came on to him, but God can still speak through by the spirit of God through these evil people. But now with believers in the new covenant, when the spirit comes into us, he never leaves. He'll never leave us or forsake us, right? The spirit is now a marking and a guarantee of our inheritance. But that, all of that stuff is cool, but this is going to be the best one right here. The star of Jacob, the last and final oracle. He says this, I see him, but not here. And now I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. And he is talking about Jesus himself. If we go back to Genesis chapter 49, Abraham is speaking blessings, or Isaac is speaking blessings over his sons. Actually, it's Jacob, the nation of Israel. He is speaking blessings over his sons before he's going to die off and leave. He's got 12 sons who make up the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of the tribes is Judah because that was one of Jacob's sons. And he speaks blessings. And in this blessing to Judah, he talks about this. The scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs the one whom all nations will honor. And what, why we know what that means is because we know that Jesus is the star that rose from the tribe of Judah. Go back to Matthew chapter one, look at the genealogy. He came from the tribe of Judah. That star in Matthew chapter two is talking about the star that rose, that the wise men went to go seek, to go find this Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter Chapter 1, verse 8, this is talking about Jesus, and it says, But of the Son, this is God talking, but of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. God is speaking 
about his son who is God. And that's an interesting thing that you can't quite wrap your mind around. Now, there's a lot going on here, and that's why you're going to need to go back and talk about this. Go study this stuff that I'm talking about. But I've been just amazed as I've been preparing for this sermon. Uh, all 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 of God's word is just so amazing to me. This just proves one more reason why God's word can be trusted and true. Prophecies are being fulfilled. These writings are written 1,500 years before Christ ever steps on the scene. I mean, and all of it's being fulfilled, and and it's just so amazing. You know, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the blessings and the prophecies that we're talking about. God sometimes uses evil to bring about his plans. And that might be hard for you to wrap your mind around as we're talking about God's sovereignty. But let me tell you, one of the most evil, the most evil thing that ever happened in human history was when they killed Jesus and they put him on the cross. But you have to know that God made that happen. In the book of Isaiah, it says the father was pleased to crush his son. He was pleased that that happened. He lined everything up to make the the cross happen. And that's because he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. That was God's plan to redeem us because we are like the nation of Israel. We are like those people that continuously go astray and we get distracted by the culture and we listen to false teachers and we don't want to hear the words of correction. We don't want to hear God's words, right? But God said, I love them, and I'm sick of them dying off and being separated from me, and I've got this plan, and it's all going to work out, and even all the evil in the world cannot stop what I'm going to do for my people because I love them. And so he sent his son Jesus, and that all who believe in him can be forgiven of the sins that we've committed. But it doesn't even stop there in this story. This is my last point. The enemy will never stop trying to curse God's people. Balaam couldn't do it through magic, so he did it through culture. Balaam is analogous to Satan, okay? It's interesting. If you know the book of Job, right at the beginning of Job, you've got God and you've got, you know, Satan, and Satan's able to talk to God. And, 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 but Satan is not God's chosen, kind of like Balaam, right? Satan is doomed forever. We know that. But Satan can still talk to God and hear from God, and, and, and Balaam is like Satan. And as we, we, we learn a little bit further on in this story, we're going to see that Balaam goes on and to do the things that ultimately Satan does, Right? And there's this thing called the teaching of Balaam in the New Testament. They refer back to this story and they're talking about anytime someone falsely teaches God's people that sin is okay, continue doing it, continue living. Oh, what they're doing out in the culture, that's okay. That's fine. Let's let that change the church. Let's, let's become progressive, right? Let's add new things to the way that we've done things, right? Because some of our stuff is old-fashioned. Right? That is the doctrine of Balaam trying to twist and tempt us to sin, much like Satan 
is doing out there in the world. Let me show you what goes on, right? So Balaam doesn't curse God's people, but here's what happens. In, in chapter 25, while the Israelites were camped, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. So the Israelites feasted with them and worshiped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal, of Peor, who was a false god, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. 24,000 people were sent a plague from God as a judgment because they went against God. They worshiped other gods. They allowed this lie, this teaching of Balaam to come in and to get him to go think that sin was going to be okay. He fooled them. He fooled them into this sexual sin because we, le- we learn again that this was Balaam In chapter 31, these are the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to to rebel against the Lord at Mount Peor. They are the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. God disciplines those in whom he loves, but he also judges people who are trying to be deceitful and evil against God's people. So ultimately, God has a plan for Satan. At the end of all of this, he will be gone forever and taken care of, right? But God, even then, after that, we'll read, he sent his people. They went and killed Balaam. And they went and killed all the Midianite kings that helped lead their people astray because God wasn't putting up with it. But he also disciplined his own people and sent a plague Um, that killed 24,000 people because it is an important thing to understand that we don't just get to do or or think or believe whatever we want. We've got to understand what we believe as Christians. How do we honor God? I mean, that should be our heart, right? Not that God is going to send us to hell because as a Christian we did something wrong. No, the blood of Jesus forgives us. But we don't want to go on as God's people and say, well, because I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want and I can allow any influence into my life that I want. That's following the doctrine of Balaam. Here's what Jesus says in the book of Revelation to the church at Pergamum. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teachings is like that of Balaam who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. And this is so rampant today in our culture, right? Like, especially sexual sin. I mean, that is one of those sins that Satan will always, has always, and will always use to trip up God's people because he knows that in our flesh we have these desires and these wants that can only be controlled by the Spirit of God, right? We, by nature, want to do disgusting things, but by the power of God we can say no to those things that we want to do right? And, and I'm not saying, like, we're all probably guilty of it, right? Of, of these things that, that we want to do, right? And so the question for us is this, as we're trying to 
figure out how to be God's people on, on this world? Who are the Balaams of our generation and how are they trying to trip us up? Well, I just want to say this, that, you know, we're not trying to judge the outside world. The Bible says, who am I to judge outsiders? Why would an outsider want to follow God's ways if they don't even believe in God? So we don't judge outsiders for what they do and how they live, but we certainly don't say, well, I condone that. That's okay. Come into the church and now we can all just practice whatever we want to believe. But that is what's happening in our church. That's what's happening in our culture, in the Christian culture, in America specifically, but all over the world, right? We're, we're being shown that uh, we have to accept things, that we have to be allies, that we have to uh, condone certain behaviors, right? But that is not true. That is, again, the doctrine of Balaam. Moving on, God deals with this. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. We need to understand that God said things in his word that sometimes might be hard for some of us to handle if we didn't know them and we've been raised by our culture. I totally understand that and I'm guilty of a lot of those sins. But yet, I cannot go on as a Christian and say that I can continue to condone and continue to agree with allowing this type of teaching to come into the God's church and God's people. We can't be led astray from the truth. And here's the wonderful thing. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that's how I want to close, is that before we start you know, judging other people, we need to realize that we too were once there and we need to figure out how to graciously have conversations with people who don't quite fully understand. But we also need to beware of the culture that's coming into our children's lives, the things that they're watching, the, the politics, you know, all of it. We've got to be aware of how the culture is trying to change the way we believe what God has already spoken about, okay? So we need to beware of false teaching read our Bibles, pray that our eyes would be open, trust in God's sovereignty, resist the devil, and don't get tripped up by the culture. Now, I've gone long today, and so we're, we still got to take communion. <laughs> so right now, that's what I want to do. As we take communion today, and as we sing this last song, don't feel like you have to stay. You can go get your kids out of kids' church or go or whatever. But as we take communion, I just want you to first examine your heart. See if there are things that God needs to deal with in you. And thank the Lord Jesus and remember what he's done for you and me. You don't have to be an alpiner to take communion, but you do have to be a believer in Jesus Christ to participate. By You take the wafer that represents his body and the juice represents his blood. 
And we take this because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so in this, th- these next few minutes, participate in that with us, and we'll close out with a song.